I've entitled today's message, The Jesse Family, The Battle for Joyful Submission to a Life Lost to Christ. The Battle for Joyful Submission to a Life Lost to Christ. Those words are rooted in Jesus' words in John chapter 12 that resonate in my heart and mind this morning. He says in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Hear that. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here again that title. The battle for joyful submission to a life lost to Christ. This morning is going to look different, beloved. I want to share a journey with you guys that our family has been on for a while now. And um, I pray for grace for you and for us as we share. The stirrings began in the summer of 2020 in June. I had gone on a run on vacation and I was meditating the words of Acts 20 and 24. Um, my heart language is not ESV, even though I'm learning that, but I grew up on the NIV 1984. And those are the words, like many of you, probably King Jamesers, you hear those words resonate in your heart and mind. And so for me, I hear... Not these words on the screen, but words that echo similarly. It's, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And as I ran that day, those miles in that summer Florida heat, I just kept meditating on that fact. Do I consider my life worth nothing to me? And there was just time of confession and repentance, of acknowledging, Lord, I, I, I treasure things of this world so much. I love entertainment. God, I just I want to lay these things down more. God, I want to be in greater submission and surrender to you. And so throughout that week, just each day as I ran, there was just like the spirit was just weighing on me of just needing just to lay down my life and just saying, Lord, what is it that I might consider my life truly worth nothing to me? Well, vacation finished and we came home and as we began to spend time in the word, I just continued to resonate and and meditate on that. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying the gospel of God's grace. Now, in that season, it was lost on me, but that was the very verse that if I rewind my life back to 2003 and four, there at the University of Kentucky, it was Acts 20 and 24 that God was using to slay my life, to say, you will not go into the family business. I have another path for you, son. And as I wrestled, I fought so much the Lord because I, I wanted so many things of this world and I knew that path was going to provide so much of what I had longed and set my heart for. And then here again, in the summer of 2020, came back those words again, fresh and anew, a flame. 
And I began to wrestle. And daily in my reading, it was almost like words that I'd seen before became bold and capitalized. Passages like Psalm 67, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. As I wrestled with those thoughts and hearing this this desire of God to see the nations, I began to share with Emily, love, we must pray more for the nations. We must set our heart more on giving ourselves to pray for the nations. And we began to do that. Soon after, the Lord began to burden our hearts to reach out some, to some international mission board missionaries who were at that time still serving with the IMB, Mark and Parker Phillips. That name may sound familiar. They're out of Living Hope. They're in, in Bowling Green. And they serve in Niger, West Africa, in Niamey. And I don't know if you guys, if you've been with us at GBC for many years, Mark was actually here on a Sunday night sharing about the work there. And I remember telling Emily when we left that night, I was like, man, that is a faithful brother. One whom I could see my heart aligned with and serving. And so we just reached out and said, listen, we, we got you guys heavy on our heart. And we would love to have a conversation with you all about what it looks like to serve as missions there. And those conversations went good. And Mark said, listen, brother, what we really need is someone to kind of come help alongside of us to teach and train up pastors. And I was like, man, that is my very heart. So Emily and I began to spend more time in prayer. And again, the scriptures just kept colliding with our heart, wrestling, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So after time in prayer, we took another step and we reached out to the International Mission Board and said, hey, we want to begin having some conversations with you guys about what it might look like to serve as missionaries in West Africa. I thought I'd throw on the screen. I'm sure some are like, man, where, where are you even discussing? If you look, this is, this is a Google Earth map, but the red represents the lost, lost, unreached, unreached, unengaged people groups. So obviously we're here. You can see in the United States. And then we're discussing this area here as you look at Niger and Niamey. And so as we began to have dialogue with the International Mission Board, we, we, they sent back some paperwork and said that, hey, here are some things that we want you guys to know. And, and upon that list was a list of things that would prevent someone from serving with them or health-related issues. There was nothing on that list that, that was related to us, but I, I reached out intentionally and said, hey, I just want you to be aware that my wife has an issue with her eye. And I said, well, it shouldn't be any issue. I said, you know, it's not listed on any of your disqualifications, but we just want you guys to know up front and... They just asked us to send some information, and we did that. And within about an hour or two, our phone rang. And they said, our medical team has has looked. And unfortunately, what your wife has is going to prevent us from being able to go any further. It was a hard moment, and a moment in which Emily and I just spent more time praying a little bit, be angry, just being honest with you. And we spent more time in prayer and just seeking the Lord and we felt led to appeal that decision as we spoke with Emily's doctor who just reminded us saying, listen, what Emily needs is a retina specialist and, and they're all throughout the developed world. And so we reached back out to the International Mission Board saying, hey, we would love for our doctor to speak with your doctors. And, and we want you to know that we realize that part of this, uh, again, depending on where you are with the International Mission Board and some of those things in the cooperative program when we celebrate like Lottie Moon and we just celebrated Annie Armstrong as we give together cooperatively. 
That's one of the things in which we join. And you, you, as you give, you're supporting missionaries and they're fully funded. And so th- those were just pathways that made sense. Obviously, we affirm the Baptist faith and message. And so there are many things. But we said, hey, listen, we recognize that there's always financial components to these things. And so we offered to be willing to cover our health care costs or whatever might relate to Emily that might disqualify us in some way. Love you, pride. Don't hear that. She struggled with a lot of guilt. Just hear me say, love, it's not you. It's the Lord's providence. It's the Lord's providence. But we opened up saying, listen, we're willing to have conversations about other places to serve. We just feel so strongly in our hearts that we must continue to have these dialogues, these discussions about missions. That appeal process went on for a period of time and then we later heard back that despite those conversations and our offers to pay and be willing to go other places, it was still a no. And so we just continued to look to the Lord and His Word. We wrestled with the words of the hymn that maybe you've heard before, but maybe it'll be fresh and new, but it's written upon our hearts and minds. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. You see, our lives at times, as we see these things that collide with us, we at times begin to doubt, is God good or why are these things happening? And so we look at outward circumstances and our hearts, just because of our weakness and our sinful depravity, are given to not trust the Lord and believe that He's good. But here again, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. So we began to wrestle with the Lord, asking, well, Lord, maybe it's just like with Abraham. Are you just asking, were we willing to raise the knife? Were we willing to say that we were going to walk away from our family? From you. To sell our home and our cars and everything that we own and pack up everything and take our kids and move across the world. Lord, is that just, you just want to know, would we be obedient? Were we willing to surrender that to you? And yet what we began to find is day after day, the Lord just kept coming to us through the scriptures. I'll be honest, we've been here now 17 years by God's providence and goodness. And this church is a good place. Now, in 17 years, just like in your marriages, I guarantee you've had some rough spots. But, beloved, those rough spots move us to love and appreciate one another. I told Emily as we've recounted things recently, I was like, man, think about all the stupid stuff I've said and done, and you guys didn't kick me out. Thank you. Thank you for your patience and your grace. But Emily and I's heart, as other opportunities would come for other churches and opportunities, man, our hearts have just been knitted here. We believe that we likely would grow old with you all, if the Lord wills. But the Lord, in His kindness and goodness through the Scriptures, kept stirring. It was in Matthew chapter 19. That the, come on still, 
In Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler has come to Jesus and he said to him, hey, what good thing do you have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, well, man, you, you know the word. And, and, and that young brother responds that he has kept everything. And Jesus says, well, one thing you do lack. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the word says that that man went away sad because he had great wealth. And I love Peter. Peter stands up and he says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus says, well, when the Son of Man comes in his kingdom, beloved, he's coming. His kingdom is coming. I urge you. I said it before you today. He is coming. He is a king and he's coming and he will rule and reign for eternity. He says, listen, you who follow me will be on the 12 thrones beside me, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then this statement that's been literally etched upon our hearts. If you would ask, man, what is the epitaph that is written on the tombstone of your heart today? It is Jesus' words in verse 29 of Matthew 19. And everyone who has left houses or brothers Our sisters, our fathers, our mothers, our grandma, grandpas, and ninnies, our children, our lands, for my name's sake. That's the statement. For my name's sake. Just can't escape it. For the sake of the name. Why would anyone do? Why would anyone leave? Right, I, I, Listen, he's not the greatest role model no matter what you think about him, but I still hear Rick Pitino saying, don't leave Camelot. Beloved, this has been our Camelot. It seems foolish. How can we walk away from this? How can we take our kids from this place, leave with our grandparents, our kids' grandparents, ten minutes up the road, a church where we love, where we see missions and a desire to reach the community and to reach the nations, a hunger and thirst for the gospel, a growing sense of discipleship. But Jesus says that those who leave houses or fathers or mothers or brothers or sisters or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. This, for the sake of my name, for the sake of the name, has just been the rallying cry of God to our lives. You see, the reason why we consider our lives worth nothing is because we consider the name of Christ worth everything. That's the only way that makes sense to live an Acts 20 and 24 life, to consider your life worth nothing. The only way we come to that conclusion is by His goodness and His grace that leads us to a place to realize our lives are worth nothing because Christ is worth everything. See those crown of thorns. Beloved, what a Savior we have. Isn't He beautiful and glorious? So we couldn't escape it and we began to pray and pursue other avenues. Unfortunately, outside of the International Mission Board. We considered other organizations and prayed and, and these were probably our three big criteria. Theology and doctrine. What do they believe? Do they affirm the Baptist faith and message? Do they affirm what we believe? That's number one. Secondly, how do they view the local church? Is missions just a way to get around the local church and go and do whatever you want? Or is the local church primary and central? 
And then third, which really breeds from their theology and what they believe about God and his word to how they see the local church that ultimately affects how you do missions. Those three things. That was the grid in which we viewed and lens in which we prayed. And that led us ultimately to an organization called Reaching and Teaching International. Don't pull out your phone now, but if you're a writer down of notes, it's just rtim.org. They're actually out of Louisville, Kentucky. That is their passion to make disciples, establish healthy churches, and train pastors and leaders. I don't know if you realize it or not, but 85% of the world right now lives in a place where the pastors and church leaders have no access to training. None. As I was sharing with another brother there, he said, listen, these guys are coming. They don't even have the entire Bible. They're coming with a little bit of scriptures they have. And they said in that discussion, they were talking about their churches and their people not having the copy of God's word. And the response was this. Just let them not eat for a few weeks so they can afford a Bible. He said, if they're serious enough, they'll literally go without food. So they'll have money to get a copy of God's word. Beloved. They're in desperate need. And look how blessed we are here at Greensburg Baptist. How many faithful brothers the Lord has raised up among us. So as we had discussions with reaching and teaching about our hope and passion, desire to reach out to Niger. The reality is there was no medical access there. Our heart is toward this 1040 window. I don't know if you've heard about it. Latitude and longitude there, but... This is often known as the resistance belt. It includes the majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. There's about 5 billion people that live somewhere roughly in this zone that I've marked out. 3 billion of which are unreached. And so we continue to pursue opportunities with our hearts stirred toward Africa and looking for medical access. But the Lord and His providence and goodness began to stir our hearts in another direction. To consider not the work there in West Africa. But actually in East Africa. We begin to hear from missionaries and the work there and specifically to places over here toward the East Coast, pushing towards Somalia, that there is a great need of brothers to be trained. And so in the spring of 2021, we begin to have further conversations with RTI about what that might look like for us to partner with them. And as we came to a place of needing to make a decision of to go forward or not, Emily and I were wrestling with the very thing there of counting the cost. Are we willing to really die in this moment? Were we really going to take our children across the world to leave their grandma and grandpa and their ninny? To leave you all and it was crushing us. So we continued to keep praying and fasting and asking the Lord, God, would you make known to us your will? She and I had been praying for years about an opportunity to serve together internationally because we had found ourselves in Honduras. I would be there and she would be at home or she would be in Haiti and I would be home or I would be in Zimbabwe and she would be home. And we have been praying, God, we want to serve together. We want to do this together. 
So we began praying, Lord, if it's your will that you want us to pursue just at least us going together and seeing what is there and being a part at least of the training, maybe it's just something you want us to go and pursue. So we prayed. And then the time with our trip to Israel last November was set. And then COVID restrictions and different regulations were changing and we just felt like we didn't have peace and we had prayed, Lord, if something changes with that, we would be open to going. And so when those things changed, we reached out to the missionaries there in Kenya and said, listen, some things have changed. Is there an opportunity maybe that we could come and partner with you guys for a period of about 10 days? And they said, yeah, actually, we have a train in November and we're one person short of who we need to help train and do. It was in there in those moments of training and walking beside those brothers further just that our hearts were stirred for the work there. We thought about passages like Romans chapter 1 verse 5 that says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience, faith, listen to this, for the sake of His name among all the nations. Did you hear that? through whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of its name. There it was again. But this time the reminder was among all the nations. This was our heart. And as we were there serving beside those Kenyan brothers, those farmers and shepherds, you see the reality is those men live in places where if you don't have like a a high school equivalent or a GED, we might think of it, you have no access to be trained further. And not only that, they don't even have the finances if the door was open. You see, they are the men that the world might consider the least of these. But by God's grace, hasn't that been part of the heartbeat of GBC? That we have loved on the least of these. It's God who has brought them here into our building and our opportunity to open up our hearts and lives to them. And so, man, as we saw these farmers and shepherds, we're like, man, we know God, we see the beauty of them who the world considers, again, maybe as overlooked or not important, but man, those brothers are faithful and they are hungering for someone to come and teach them the Word. So we committed over last Christmas and in the first of the year that we would just continue to pray and say, Lord, if this is indeed Your will, then we want to move forward. We're asking that the Spirit of God would use the Word of God to transform the heart of this man and woman of God. You see, we sing the hymn, the cross before me, the world behind me. No what? No turning back. No turning back. And Emily and I are wrestling, do we mean that? Is Christ truly our greatest joy and treasure? It's making His name known amongst the nations by selling basically everything we own and walking away from all the people we know and love. Is that actually worth it? And the resounding answer from the Spirit of God who indwells us, yes! A thousand times, yes! Church, our hope and prayer today is that you don't leave thinking, man, those people must be like superheroes. I can never do that. No, our hope and desire is that you walk away saying, how great is our God! What kind of God is this? It would seem people to do something seemingly illogical to walk away from it. And yet, He is that great and glorious, beloved. 
That has been our labor in our tent these past 17 years with you is that you and I might come to treasure that Christ is really that great and glorious. And I pray our lives have lived that and have we fallen short? Undeniably so. But man, we labor to that end. You see, we sang it earlier and it's our heart's desire, these words. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see. The strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Listen to this. You sang it. Oh, Father, oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And unless we minimize those words, we sing it again. It's repeated. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let my soul forever be. My only boast is you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. So we continued having conversations moving forward with them throughout the last several months. And the Lord just continued to provide peace to us to seem to do what was crazy. And then about a month ago came a really difficult and hard conversation. On a Saturday morning, we set our kids down on the couch to talk. It's important you realize that as we've shared from this pulpit and in conversations that for the last however many years we've been trying to intentionally read through different biographies of different Christians, but over the last 20 months or so, we've been very intentional about reading different missionary biographies and stories. And part of what we wondered is, well, God, maybe you're just asking us to raise the knife, but really what you're doing is trying to prepare our children. Maybe one or more of them will answer that call and go to the nations. But children are perceptive. About this January or February, one of the boys asked this, I feel like soon you're going to tell us that we are going as missionaries. Are you? And the answer was, guys, we are the Lord's servants. Whatever he feels, we want to humbly obey. But yes, 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 we see the nations. And they're written upon our hearts. But that convo on that Saturday morning about a month ago was hard. When they began to process different things and asking questions like, will we be taking our dog? There's been a lot of tears in the last several weeks around that dog's neck realizing that our time is short with him. It's a small thing, yes, but to a boy and his dog, it's a big thing. Our children are struggling. But by God's grace, He is increasing their trust in Him. But I want you to know that leaving you all is no small thing to them. Last night, one of the boys said, Dad, tomorrow I'm going to smell like all kinds of people. And I said, Why? To which he responded, because they're all going to come and give me hugs. Even tough middle school boys want to be hugged, beloved. 
I want to encourage our church because throughout these last two years, Brother Todd has pastored us so well. You've prayed, you've listened, you've encouraged. You've asked us to consider hard questions that sometimes we didn't have any answers to. You loved us well, brother. You counseled us well. We are forever indebted to your care. We rejoice that God will have you here to continue to lead this flock. We share with Mark and Adam, and man, we're so thankful for our time with you guys. And now Reynolds, you all. We rejoice that the Lord has you all here to continue to provide leadership to our church for the season ahead. We met with the deacons last week as they're the servant leaders and peacemakers of the church. We want them to begin praying for you all. Also realizing ways in which their service and their needs and the needs of the church, that they would be perceptive and aware. We're thankful for their love and encouragement. Outside of that, we haven't shared with others in this church body. And that was intentional. Because we wanted to do it this morning face to face. It's you all. I hear Paul say, what is our joy and crown in the presence of the Lord? Is it not you? Is it not you? Leaving and praying about leaving has been so hard because we love you guys so much. And we're so excited about what all is still to come. It's nothing that we want to run away from. But we rejoice to see so many of you all equipped to do the work of the ministry. God strengthen us. What's next? The realization is that's the question that you wonder. Reaching and teaching will be appointing us officially this week, pending that you guys affirm us as capable missionaries tonight in our church member business meeting. Our hope and prayer is that we'll be in Kenya by June of 2023. That gives us about the next 12 months to fundraise. It gives our kiddos another year of school and time with their friends. We would be honored if the church might consider allowing us to continue serving at GBC for the coming months. What that looks like, those are discussions. We're going to have more tonight and an opportunity maybe at the next business meeting after that to give some time to process and think through what does it look like. There's answers that we don't know of how fundraising will go and what that will look like for us. But man, I love to preach and I love to shepherd this church. It has been such an honor and a privilege. So Lord willing, if the church is willing, again, that is something for us that you all to pray and consider. As we continue to stay on and serve beside Brother Todd until 
sometime next spring, depending upon how fundraising is going. And at that point, I'll be resigning as one of your pastors. Paul's words have been resonating in my heart. Sorrowful yet rejoicing. Leaving shouldn't be easy, but it is joyful as we consider what is ahead. But you oh, you make it hard. I want to be clear, our relationship will look different, but it is not ending. Hear that. Our relationship will look different, but it is not ending. The boys asked questions as we sit around the table yesterday. I said, if you were a kid in the church tomorrow, what would you want to know? And one of them said, well, where are we going? I said, well, I hope to answer that, that we're going to Kenya. Another one asked, they might wonder, will you be coming back as their pastor? And then he qualified that by saying, well, that is for those who like you. (laughs) To which another one responded, Dad, I think most of the people there like you. Children are perceptive. But then the other boy asked this question. Dad, if I was a kid out there, I would wonder one thing. Why? Why would you leave? Why would you take your family? Why would you walk away from their grandparents? Why? And my answer, beloved, is for the sake of his name. For the sake of his name. For the sake of his name. It's the same answer back there in those college apartment when I realized my path in life vocationally was going to look different. For the sake of his name. For the sake of his name. And now I stand here 17 years later and I see and know the sake of His name has been worth it. Hear that with all that's in me. The sake of His name has been worth it. It's been you all. It's been worth it. It's been worth it. It's been worth it. Michelle, Sundays like this, that's why Forrest bought me that pack of handkerchiefs. He was tired of seeing me do this and shake people's hand at the back door. (laughs) Beloved, our hope and heart is that GBC will be our sending church. What does that mean? Well, it means that you guys will be the ones who say yay or nay on us being missionaries, being affirmed to this organization. That will happen tonight. We hope that you'll be there to have a voice in that. You will be our home church. That means that, Lord willing, when we come back in two years, the summer of 2025, that we'll come back here. That we'll be with you. That means that it'll be you who reach out to us and touch base. And weeks and months ahead as we're there. As Emily and the kids and I hope 
It means that some of you will show up on our doorstep. The boys have already asked Dad, do you think they'll come to visit? Obviously, some of that's going to include financial support as we see modeled throughout the New Testament and those are the discussions to have. But guys, you guys are our family and this is our home. By God's sustaining grace, we hope to continue to labor in the gospel together. As I close, maybe you're asking today, how could I be a part? Pray. Pray. Our kids are struggling with they're afraid everybody's going to forget them. That's their fear. Pray for God to keep us close and clean. The Word of God says that we are to be aware. We are not we are not unaware of the wiles of the devil. And we know that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Pray that we might remain close and clean. Pray for our families as they begin to adjust. It's not lost on me. The final words of my father to take care of my mother. My mom has been very gracious, but it's been very hard. This is pure and faultless religion, my brother James says, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. And I wrestle with walking away from my own mother. For Emily's parents. In about a course of a year, all nine of their grandchildren will be gone. They desperately need your prayers. Pray for this church that we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Knowing that everything else will be added to us as well. Let this church body abide in Christ. So pray. Provide financial support again. We're going to share some more details on that tonight. But there's a lot of that we don't even know. We know it's a large task and one in which the enemy often has stand and taunted us. But we trust that our God who fed the Israelites in the wilderness is the same God who sustains us today. Amen. Pray, provide, third, practical. We need you to utilize your unique gifts. You say, Blake, what's that mean? Here's just four, just four categories I'm going to throw at you. Many of you are educators. That means that you're going to have wisdom and insight to help us how we navigate next steps for our kiddos. How does, what does homeschool look like there and material and curriculum and all these things? God has just gifted you to be in that lane. My bride, I know, is overwhelmed. But we trust in the Lord. Accounting. Man, we've got to wrestle with budgets and financial decisions. And some of you, God's just gifted you that you're a numbers person and you can just help walk beside us to consider things that we didn't even know we should have a category for that. 
Brothers of you, your, your agriculture, your gardeners and your farmers. And part of the reality is, is we're going to need to know what to plant, when to plant, how to plant it. And if you know about our garden exploits from this last year, we harvested basically nothing. <laughs> nothing. On a positive note, they say the soil is very rich. I was like, well, I'm very poor, so I hope and pray it's got a lot to overcome. But we'll need your wisdom. Another group we considered was those of you who are medical. I know this COVID season has been so tough on you, but God has used it to help equip you for telehealth. And you've got a family of six that's now going to need you. Guys, those are just four ways. They're just gifts and abilities in this congregation. I could go on and list more. But that just gives you a hint that guess what? God has gifted you uniquely and God is going to use you as a part of this family to help strengthen our family. As we close, I just want to share this glorious vision that captures our hearts that just continually sets before us. It's Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, that's every ethnos, every people group, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Did you hear that? Our God. He's not just the God of America or Africa or Asia. This is all nations and people, those who have been born again by the precious blood of Christ. They cry out, You are our God. Because you sit on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne. And they worship God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Church, this isn't a possibility of what will happen or what might happen. This by the sovereign power of God, will take place. The question every single one of us in this room must answer is, how will I be a part of bringing about that fulfillment? Will you pray? Will you give? Will you go? I want to urge some of you in this room to consider again this map and consider those red Dots represent people groups today that have no one there to share the gospel with them. This means that it will be some of you who will go. It will be some of your children and your grandchildren who will share the news that we are leaving Greensburg KY and everything we've ever known and loved. And we're going to follow our Savior. And beloved... It is worth it. It's worth it. On behalf of my bride and my boys, my little girl, thank you. Thank you.
four months, I've been trying to wrap my mind around what I would say when this day came. And um, I, I want to share just a couple things that I think is important that that you hear. Three or four years ago, um, Brother Blake and I were talking one morning. Uh, each day that we're in the office, um, near the first of the day, we get together and we we catch up with each other. We hold each other accountable. We ask each other how we can pray for each other. And then we pray for each other and we pray for you. Uh, and it, it's one of the highlights. I'll just say that it is the highlight of most of my days. It's that time that we spend together uh, in prayer. But on this one particular day, three or four years ago, the Lord had just impressed on both of us that he was going to raise someone up from this congregation to go to the nations long term. And we committed to start praying for that regularly. You've heard both of us share that from the pulpit over the last three to four years. And God has answered that prayer. It looks way different than I thought it would. And I have, you know, to be quite honest with you, I've asked myself a lot over the last two years, had I known that it was going to be them, would I have still prayed the prayer? I hope so. I really hope that I would have. Um, Many of you know um, that I have one sibling, and it's a sister, and I love her dearly. If, you, if y'all know, the ones of you who have known me all my life, you know that I love my sister. But I always wondered why could I not also have a brother. And I had to wait a long time to get him. But I finally, I finally got him when the Lord brought me here 10 years ago. He has truly become like a brother to me. And um, my heart hurts, but it also rejoices to see the Lord at work in and through this family. I want to share one other thing, and then I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to pray over Brother Blake and his family as a church. But two years or so ago, when Blake and Emily and Pavey came in to share that they were feeling a call to missions, you'll have to remember, at that point, Pavey was two years younger than she is right now. And so after they had shared everything with me, she just got down and she walked over to my bookcase. And if any of y'all have been in my office, you know I have got a multitude of books from basically the floor to the ceiling uh, on two bookcases in my office. And of all the books that she could have pulled off of the bookcase, she pulled off one that the title of it was Beyond Surrender. And it was about missionaries in Africa. And it was just a chilling moment for me to think of all the books she could have touched and pull off that bookcase. That was the one that she got. And then a year or so passed and they came back in one day. And that day she pulled another book off of my shelf. That one, the title of it was World Missions. So it was just a confirmation that I'd asked for. For the last probably eight years or so, I have had your name written beside this passage in my Bible. I'm going to share it today, and then we're going to pray. From the book of Philemon or Philemon, however you prefer to pronounce that book of the Bible, and God's Word says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love 
and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Emily, would you and the kids come up? I want to ask you to stand. Yeah, if you want to come forward, please come forward. We're going to pray. church let's pray heavenly father we rejoice to know that you answer prayers father so many times the answer looks different than we would have ever imagined or expected but father we still praise you for hearing and answering prayers father we lift up brother blake Emily, River, Josiah, Judah, and Pavey to you. Father, I thank you for their obedience to simply follow you. Father, thank you for the example that they have set over these last years of what obedience truly looks like. Father, thank you for the example that they're setting right now to show us what obedience looks like. Father, I pray that you will simply bless their hands, bless their efforts. Father, I pray that you will allow many people to hear the name of Jesus Christ because of this crew called the Jesse family. Father, I pray that just as my brother was talking about the soil being rich there to plant a garden, Father, I pray that the soil will also be rich for a harvest of souls. Father, I pray that right now that you are going in front of them and preparing the way. Hey, Lord, I pray that what might possibly appear as an obstacle right now will actually turn out to be nothing. Lord, we realize that there is nothing impossible with you. And, Father, I pray that you will simply meet every need that they have. Father, I pray that on those days when the enemy attacks their minds and causes them to have doubts, Lord, I pray that you will fill them with your peace that passes all understanding, and I pray that you will speak those words, peace be still. Father, I pray that they will realize today, tomorrow, and every day of their life that the joy of the Lord is their strength. Father, I pray that your hand of protection will be upon them today, 
and every day of their life. Lord, I pray that, that they will keep their eyes fixed upon you. And Father, I pray that you will use them to change this world. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.